Welcome to On-Premise IT, the only podcast that dares to go both on topic or on premise, and sometimes even on location or on premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of distinguished IT experts to discuss a single premise. This episode, we're talking about the past and the future of big iron storage and everything in between. Before we get to our premise, though, let's meet who's on the panel today. This is, uh, I'm Ray Lucchese. I'm at uh, Silverton Consulting, the founder of Silverton Consulting. I'm at rayonstorage.com, and I'm also a podcaster host at graybeardsonstorage.com. I've been in the industry many, many years. I'm Andy Banta. Uh, I've been in the storage industry and, and technology industry for almost as many years as Ray, but not quite. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Andy Banta. And I, uh, I, I'll be participating in Storage Field Day starting tomorrow. Hi, this is Rohan Puri. I have more than a decade years of storage software development experience. This is my first time attending this podcast. And also, I'll be part of Storage Field Day. Looking forward to have fun conversations around. And I am Stephen Voskett, publisher of Gestalt IT and organizer of uh, Storage Field Day, which, as you heard, kicks off tomorrow, uh, March 22nd. So please do join us for Storage Field Day. And at Storage Field Day, you might actually hear a little bit of what we're, uh, I guess, a reflection of what we're going to talk about today. So as those of us with gray hair know, IBM invented everything. IBM invented uh, the entire storage industry. And so IBM should get credit for that. And and, and frankly, it's, it's actually great to see that IBM is continuing not just to sell storage, but also to innovate in the storage space. Even as so many companies have come and gone, even as so many ideas have come and gone, uh, we still have IBM. But of course, at Storage Field Day, we're also going to be hearing from uh, Amazon Web Services, and they're going to talk about uh, storage and data protection in the cloud. And I think that a lot of people these days might say, well, the cloud, man, that's all that storage is, You know, even enterprise storage. But the truth is, it's it's kind of that and and on premises and other things as well. Uh, you know, we're going to hear Storp will talk about uh, software store software based storage. I refuse to call it software defined storage. Software storage. We're going to hear um, uh, Index Engines talk about CyberSense, which is data data protection uh, and security, and all of that is storage too. So, what do we mean by big storage, uh, Andy? I'm going to throw this to you to kick off. What is what is big storage? Well, I mean, big storage can mean a lot of things. You, you actually called it big iron storage in your intro, and I, I'm going to disagree with that just right off the bat because it does it isn't always iron. It, it lots of it is vapor at this point in in the cloud. Uh, but big storage has a handful of different aspects. It, it's typically um, you know multifaceted, multi-tiered, multi-tenant, multi-capability type storage. It, it's storage that can serve a variety of different purposes in a variety of different ways with a variety of different performances. Uh, you have primary storage and secondary storage, the idea that you you have you know backups and be the able the ability to recover. I think all of these are aspects that have to be considered when you talk about big storage. You're not talking about a disk drive in your laptop. You're talking about a storage system that covers a lot of different capabilities uh, that need that are needed for enterprise or organizational uh, storage capabilities. So I I think 
I, I don't think that there's, you know, a right or wrong definition of what big storage is. You know, IBM certainly represented big storage 30 years ago and AWS might represent big storage today, but there's IBM might still represent big storage in, in a lot of aspects. And there are a lot of companies out there that are actually doing big storage. And there's, there's also conglomerations of companies that are doing big storage where you potentially have somebody who's doing primary storage combined with somebody else who's doing secondary or tertiary storage. Uh, these, these are all aspects of, of what you consider big iron storage or big storage. Uh, and I, I think it's just interesting how it has changed over time where uh, storage started out, uh, you know, as, as something that sat in, in your server room and now storage is something that you just connect to. Uh, and I, I know this will come up sometime later on in this discussion, but Ray and I have had uh, violent disagreements over what saw well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won't go there right at the moment, but I mean, big iron storage has been around uh, for decades and it was all tied to data centers sitting in enterprises and, and the storage requirements for their applications and things of that nature. What's happening today, quite frankly, is is uh, some of that is going away. The big push for lots of organizations now is how to you know utilize the cloud, the flexibility of the hybrid cloud. Rohan mentioned the multi-cloud earlier uh, and things of that nature to do their applications. And where those applications reside, oftentimes where the data resides and where the data resides is where the storage needs to be. So if you're running those applications sitting in the cloud, your storage is in the cloud. If you're running those applications sitting on premises, on premise, then it's on in the data center. I think that's about it for now. I agree with these points. So uh, essentially big storage for me is like uh, with a lot of data comes the responsibility of storing it. And as and when we go forward, like with, in the industry, what is happening is that there are multiple aspects of data being produced and similarly being consumed also. So, so, so data storage is, is that middle level layer wherein from storing to consume, uh, to consumption, how do you, where do you put that data in with so much of data being generated right from social media or for scientific applications. So this is what I feel that terms as big storage that a lot of data getting generated. Now somebody has to store it. And I will say that the reason I chose to say big storage instead of enterprise storage or storage array or all these things, sorry, Ray, uh, storage array. Um, the reason I said big storage is because like, you know, like y'all said, there's a difference between sort of, I need some storage, whether it's a server or a laptop or whatever, um, you know, oh, it's a drive. Oh, it's this, it's that. There's a difference between that and, you know, sort of capital S storage. And that's why I said big storage, because I was, I was thinking, you know, a storage thing is a, is, a, is a different animal than, you know, kind of lowercase, you know, oh, some storage. And, and it really has changed remarkably from those early IBM uh, mainframe, you know, external, externally attached storage devices through NAS and then SAN, and yes, it did go to, in that order, through uh, to the modern era of scale out software, 
cloud storage, object storage, etc. Um, is there even an animal called storage anymore, or is it just a, a sort of an amorphous concept that only matters to people like us? I, there certainly is storage. Storage exists. People are still, vendors are still selling uh, storage arrays, storage systems, that sort of stuff. Um, it's moving more towards uh, as a service type of solution. I mean, just about every vendor out there offers some sort of a OpEx version of their storage system that you, the customer, can can take on, on that sort of a financial aspect of it. But uh yeah, the, the cloud is having an, a serious, serious effect across the industry, and storage is, is no uh, isolation, no exception. It's it's getting to the point where people want something like S3 sitting on their on their premise, so that they can use it in their data center, and and uh, it's 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 just the way it is. And so you know, software defined storage, software based storage, whatever you want to call it is something that that makes a lot of sense in this environment today at least it's it's no longer it's no longer appliance driven you know i i was looking at some graphs the other day trying to figure out where you know where the differentiation between storage a vendor and storage b vendor and storage c vendor and quite frankly their performance was within 3 or 4% of one another on these benchmarks these are relatively new benchmarks and stuff like that so it's not performance uh, to a large extent, I mean, in some cases there are some 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 performance benefits for certain amounts of storage. It's it's now moving to feature function and and capabilities and that sort of stuff. And quite frankly, the guys that are driving those sorts of capabilities is not the enterprise, not the the storage vendors, but the cloud guys. And I, I think that's entirely true. Uh, the the cloud guys are actually the ones who are actually creating an awful lot of the video content and stuff that actually takes a lot more storage capabilities than what we were used to when when big storage was uh you know when big storage was something that actually sat in your closet um there's there's just a huge amount more data that's being stored in in much more raw forms now uh data from iot devices um you know we're, we're creating what, you know, a million hours of video every day or something like that. It's some ridiculous amount of video storage that has to happen. And video is something that does that actually takes an awful lot of space. But yeah, tech, tech field day, we almost get a million hours a day of tech field day video. Uh, but I, I mean, just the the nature of big data has changed. So the nature of big storage has changed as well. As well. Uh, an awful lot of the the way that storage is consumed is sort of storage as a service, as Ray mentioned, but that isn't just being served up by by um, hyperscalers, by public cloud providers. It, that's also the way that an awful lot of organizations and enterprises are surfing up storage as well, where it's all self-service, come get the storage you need for the purpose you need. Um, the, the idea that private cloud is such a big thing now is, is you know, that's that's the way an awful lot of organizations are actually provisioning resources to their customers. Yeah, I agree with you guys uh, that cloud is playing a big role in how the storage is being consumed. On, and on the other side of it, if you look, there are also surprisingly new 
appliance based storage vendors also coming into market because of new devices coming in like uh, so when flash came uh, you know or ssds so now we have this qlc ssds which are more capacity oriented but less in performance so then there so a company known as vast data they started building an appliance on that and they are doing pretty good like their their numbers are really good in terms of their sale and in terms of their new customer acquirement rate and all those things so having said that cloud is taking major of the business but we still see such small instances where companies are popping up with new innovation and uh, you know building products out of that for so so this this also means that there is some sort of need uh, or some sort of uh, bandwidth still left in private or uh, appliance based model also uh, and i don't know how it will turn out later on but but it's interesting to see both uh, ways you know cloud obviously is growing like there is no doubt about it but these interesting startups coming in and now we have cxl also on on board so one thing one thing i i've seen is that with cloud uh, vendors like they have their stack and everything in place i i so this is a personal opinion i but i feel that innovating for them with all the stable stabilized code that is there in right now is difficult that's why such startups or new startups they they value innovation more and then they can come out of products and yeah something of this i i often talked about this on various podcasts and things of that nature but it's it's always to me uh interesting to see where applications are being developed. And, and so where those new applications are being developed is what's driving infrastructure. So if those applications are being developed on-premise, on then it's, it's in a data center. If their applications are being developed in the cloud, it's in the cloud. And, and, and quite frankly, if you look at where those applications are going, where the startups are going to, to do their infrastructure, it's all in the cloud. And that's a challenge because if my data is going to be with my application and my application is being developed in the cloud and all of a sudden it goes from, I don't know, 10 users to a gazillion users in, in a matter of 12 days or something like that, I'm locked. I, my data is going to be in the cloud for a long time to come. I'm sorry. Well, I think there's an awful lot of cases where the, the compute resources and the storage resources are not necessarily in the same place. There's an awful lot of times where where you are actually doing the, the calculations and whatever locally, but um, doing all storing the results in the cloud, and um, simply for for data uh, egress rates, there's lots of times where you might actually want to use the compute resources that are available in the crowd, cloud, but not necessarily, but have your storage on premises. Uh, the the other thing I wanted to mention here is that something that has changed probably in the past ten years is there is probably huge amounts of data that's being produced and never re referenced. So there's, there's all sorts of things that are getting written to storage that are being stored in big storage, never to be looked at again. And this is one of the reasons I think why big storage is growing as fast as it is. There's, there's probably millions of megabytes of log files that are being stuff that's getting stored that just will never be referenced, but is going to be stored forever. Being generated that nobody will ever look at. There's, you know, there's probably, you know, zillions of megabytes or gigabytes of YouTube video that is only ever looked at by its own, its 
creator. Uh, there's there's all sorts of various different. I think it's a misnomer to say that data that that's stored will never be referenced. I, I, yeah, right now I I agree, but over the long term, as as more and more AI applications come online, all that data becomes of value. It's some training engine someplace. It's it's yeah, it needs to be stored. You know, I'm a I guess a storage hoarder myself. I'm sitting here with a two terabyte desktop these days. And if I had two terabytes a decade ago, I would have been considered insane, you know, but the data is going to be used at some point. Yeah. And I'll point out that, you know, one of the things that I see through field day, but also through utilizing tech, remember uh, we have a podcast focused on emerging tech. We talked about AI for three seasons. We talked about CXL. Thank you, Rohan. Um, and next, we're going to be talking about edge. And in all of those cases, we're seeing um, different uh, technologies, different data sources. One of the things that came up during utilizing AI and AI field day was this whole idea of AI and machine learning, not as a, um, not as a sort of an endpoint, but as a processor and a filter of data. And I think that that was pretty smart to think about, you know, AI um, generally and machine learning specifically. Machine learning is really good at processing data and finding outliers, basically finding needles in haystacks and finding patterns. And what we were talking about there, and this came into the edge field day question and the edge um, IoT space as well, is this paradox that, that basically increasing the ability to filter data through machine learning actually increases the collection of data because it means that you can have more sensors and more inputs and more um, more verbose sensors, more frequent sensing and new sense and, and better sensing types like high definition video and audio processing and things like that. And you can actually process that stuff near to where it's generated and then send back the interesting bits for further referencing. And I think we see the same um, in data lakes, um, you know, put a machine learning engine in there to, to look at the data lake and, and figure out what it's seeing. Um, and, and again, that's another whole area of storage that is related, but not always mentioned. The idea of basically database storage and especially now NoSQL storage. Uh, we have got cloud storage, we've got data, we've, you know, we've got logs and analytics like Andy brought up. All of these things are generating more and more data, and all of them are wildly different. And that's kind of what I wanted to say, you know, here in, at this point is, is, is it safe to say that storage is still storage when the type of storage that you use at the edge uh, with uh, different types, uh, you know, machine learning training versus machine learning inferencing uh, with uh, analytics, with databases, with cloud applications, all of these are wildly different kinds of storage. Is is there really such a thing as storage? Yes, there is. And this I, this brings me into a place where I get to speak about one of my other favorite topics, cars, where take a look at cars. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, cars weren't logging anything. There might've been some sensors that get displayed on your dashboard, but there was nothing getting logged in your car. Now. Everything gets logged in your car. There's probably a hundred different sensors in your car. They're logging various different things and those get logged internally. And in some cases, they actually get phoned home to whatever the manufacturer is. So the manufacturer actually is storing that information as well. And here again, this is, you know, kind of touching on the, the edge premise that uh, Stephen was talking about that 
you know, yes, there's storage inside the car for keep logging this information. And yes, this information is going to get sent back to the manufacturer in, in newer cases, and that is going to be stored forever as well. And that's where it become it goes from edge storage to big storage. And yes, I, I do think there's a distinction between edge storage and big storage. And I think lots of times the edge storage is simply intended as buffer space before it gets passed into big storage. I, th I think what you're going to find is that over time, uh, you know, I was a big proponent of having edge filter and, and do some sort of uh, internal processing or, or initial processing of the data before it's sent up and compressing the data or reducing the amount of data that needs to be sent back to, you know, the central uh, the data center or whatever. But over time, all that stuff is going to become more and more valuable and you're going to find less and less, I'll call it filtering of the edge and more and more of that data is going to be sitting on, on some uh, data center storage or cloud storage. And it's, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I was big proponent of computational storage, having those those devices out on the on the edge, actually do some work to try to reduce the amount of storage that need the bandwidth that needs to be used. But what's happening? Bandwidth is going up, storage capacity is going up, and all these things, machine learning and and analytics, they're really the 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 food of that is is data, and and the more data, the better I can do. I don't know. And Rohan, that, that's your area, right? Computational storage. Yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. So so I, I feel that the kind of data that is being generated and the the places at which it is getting generated are so much diverse that we will definitely need a mix of everything. Uh, we will also need some processing that has to happen at the edge uh, so that filtered data is streamed to the cloud and then more analysis or analytical softwares are being run on that. I feel computational storage is still a very uh, innovative and a new area. Uh, the problem with that is that there are vendors available who uh, are, you know, creating the drives, but the cost point is very high at this point in time. Like we just got a the smart SSD for our use case and it costed us, it is, it is somewhere around 4 TB and it costed us $2,300. So that's like uh, too much costly. So, so unless the cost goes down, it's very difficult to utilize uh, it in a mass production level. But I do feel that it also uh, brings a very nice uh, use point, uh, even if you consider cloud. Like we know that getting data from cloud data. So, so the main use case of computational storage is to avoid uh, data movement. And the way it does it is by offloading compute to these storage devices or wherein we also have some processing power which would execute this compute functionalities. So that's where I feel even if it is in cloud or on premises or on the edge, uh, they do bring up a valid use case point but the pricing has to be, uh, you know, changed or, or it has to be consumable in that sense. I think Rohan, if you ordered like a thousand of these drives, the price would be considerably less, but still, you know, it's still gonna cost. I don't understand why computational storage costs so much. I mean, these 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 CPUs are coming out of the woodwork. I can't even buy a a, a birthday card without a CPU sitting on there someplace. So it's it's like, I don't understand why that would be the case, but that's that's a different issue. The computational storage has a place to play, I believe, in, in, in 
hyperscaler-like environments where you can actually take advantage of that computational processing sitting out on the storage. So if I want to go from 1080p to, to 8K or something like that, I just fire up a disk drive to go off and do that conversion. I don't have to do it anymore at the at the server and stuff like that. So computational storage has has a place. It's just, I don't know. And I often thought it was the edge, but it may or may not be the edge depending on the price and stuff like that. Another very interesting point, if we see from the development aspect of utilizing this computational storage devices is that SSD and uh, the FPGA or the compute sits on the PCI uh, Express. So what can happen is that you, you can skip uh, interacting with the host memory. So when we uh, skip interacting with the host memory or storing data on the host memory, which means that now we are less utilizing the available RAM on big servers. So which means that now applications can use more RAM also. So it, it benefits in other aspects also. Yeah, and it's, uh, I, uh, I'm familiar with computational storage uh, simply because I worked at a company that, that was kind of working on that premise uh, about a decade ago uh, named Data Gravity. Uh, but the, the whole idea there was to actually use the, the storage devices to actually do analytics on what's being stored separate from the host. Um, I, I do think that, you know, we, both of the things that Ray and Rohan said are true, where computational storage allows you to actually do um, analytics and whatever on the storage in place. And things like edge devices are actually should be doing some some computation for inference and whatever, uh, you know, lots of times, like going back to the car example, uh, you know, if if your oil pressure is low, it, it should be able to analyze that and tell you immediately because that's information that you need right away. Uh, at the same time, all of the information from all of the other sensors might get stashed away to be used for AI or machine learning somewhere down the road. So I, I think, I don't think that you need to be talking about either or. I don't think that you need to be talking about, you know, edge devices or should be doing the filtering uh, or there should be no filtering and it all gets passed along. The edge devices have survey purpose and, you know, should be doing their inferences and analytics on data itself. At the same time, while filtering might be useful, I do think that, as Ray said, getting all this stuff preserved for later machine learning analysis would be can be valuable i will just jump in here though and and kind of remind us that we're we're talking about big storage and 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 my argument at the beginning was basically there's so many different things out there that are storage um and even if we set aside sort of uh like i said lowercase boring whatever storage and focus only on things that do the storage thing, there's a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of things that do the storage thing. There's a lot of different uh, different faces of this. And we see this at uh, Storage Field Day. Uh, we see this with, um, you know, again, we, we, we're going to talk to IBM Storage. They're talking about two completely different things. AWS is coming in to talk about two completely different things. Storepool is uh, talking about something different. Uh, you know, Index Engines is talking about something different. But all of those things are storage. And I would argue that all of those things are big storage. All of those things are really part of the storage industry. Um, you know, it's, it's actually kind of exciting, isn't it? One thing that I want to get to before we end, though, is this question of software. 
is software eating the world when it comes to storage? I've always said that storage is really hard to do. I would never trust my data to something that isn't proven. Uh, never trust your data to a code base younger than five years. Trust me on that one. Um, it, it, but it is software going to eat the world? Is there really going to be no such thing as storage hardware apart from obviously, you know, you still need disks or flash or whatever, but, but they're just commodities. It's been this disagreement for about oh uh, maybe a decade between us with respect to whether software is going to eat the world or hardware or or whatever. I think obviously in my mind it's a combination of the two. I don't think you can do. Uh, I I think you can do an awful lot with software defined or software based storage and and maybe at the with the present devices SSDs and that sort of thing you've got all the performance you need from that. But at some point. Uh, you know, having hardware in the mix at some point, you know, whether it supports CXL, whether it supports, you know, DPUs, whether it's whatever it supports, uh, there's there's a need for that. I mean, you talk about computational storage, all right? It, obviously, it's a it's a hardware device that, that has uh, some sophisticated software capabilities. I don't think, yeah, this is a personal opinion. I don't think appliance storage will go away. It's not doing what it needs to do today. And I don't know who in, a, in his right mind is actually making the changes necessary to make that happen, but I don't think it's going to go away in the long term. And and this is where where Ray and I have somewhat differing opinions. Where I, I my comment has been that I've been you know software defining storage for thirty years now. Uh, at the same time, my my argument remains that you cannot store bits in software. You actually need something to actually back that software to store the bits. So claiming that you have software-defined storage doesn't answer the question of where are my bits. So I, I feel that uh, you know the kind of efficiency requirements of today. If you see, uh, just software-only based solution will not be enough. So, so the benefit of software-only solution is that. It is generic. You can run it on any kind of hardware, so it decouples you from the particular, uh, you know, uh, customized hardware. But on the contrary, if we see, once we have this customary or customized hardware, what happens is that then you and then a software running on top of this, it makes it can utilize those extra bits of that hardware and give you better performance. And now, if we see performance or scale has been a very big metric for you know any application to run and with these can only be satisfied if hardware and software both go in tandem and software essentially then has to utilize all the hardware features or facilities that are available and to to uh, one data point in this regards is that we also have, are seeing a lot of hardware uh, evolution and a lot of hardware changes that are also happening like as Ray mentioned about CXL, computational storage, a lot of FPGA-based companies are also being developed, are also developing their FPGA cards on which data can be offloaded and uh, for other compute and something like that. So essentially what I feel is that uh, to, to get the best of, uh, to get the best in totality, both hardware and software matters together. I completely, I think we, I think we, I think you got us, Rohan. I think that's actually a great summary of it. And I, and I think that that, again, is that's what defines big storage. So if big storage is everywhere, big storage is a system purpose built for storage, for the various aspects of storage, for the various needs 
of the applications. And, and I think that that market has not gone away. In fact, I think that there's some very exciting things happening in it. I can't wait to see what CXL, what uh, XPU, uh, you know, whether it's DPU or, you know, uh, IPU, GPU, all those things have to do with storage, as you mentioned, FPGAs and specialized ASICs and so on. Uh, those things have had their day, but I think we'll have another day. And it's going to be really interesting to see where this thing goes. So thank you guys so much. This has been a, f a fun discussion. And I think that we're going to continue this at Storage Field Day and beyond. So uh, before we go, uh, where can listeners connect with you and, and continue this discussion? Uh, Ray, let's start with you and then Andy and then Rohan. Uh, I'm a... Uh avid podcaster in my own right at Graybeards on Storage. So we do that at least once a month and then more often for uh, other customers. I'm also an avid blogger at rayonstorage.com. And uh, I just released a blog post on some ADA, AWS uh, data exchange capabilities. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Ray Lucchese. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Andy Banta. And actually, I just kicked off my own blog recently, uh, andybanta.substack.com. So you can find me either one of those places. You can find me at Twitter, Rohan underscore Puri or on LinkedIn. So yeah, these are the two places. And as for me, you can find me here uh, on the Gestalt IT podcasts a couple times a week, as well as our weekly news rundown. Uh, tune in for utilizing tech uh, if you want to learn more about CXL or soon uh, Edge. And uh, you can find me on the socials at sfosket, including on Mastodon, sfoskett at techfielday.net. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do give us a rating and a review wherever you find us. Uh, we're available in pretty much every podcasting application. You'll also find these videos on YouTube. Just go to YouTube slash video and uh, click subscribe while you're there. Why not? It's good stuff. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home from IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.